0: Thank you very much, Steve. Jan and I wanted to give you an update on our church planting. Most of you know we are planting a church in the Mohammed bin Zayed, Musafa area. There is a building being built uh, in that area that will be completed end of this year, and that's when Friday services will start. But between now and then, we're starting home groups uh, in July, and so pray for us that we can grow together in, in community and really loving each other, pray that we can be reaching out to people who don't know Christ and see people saved and brought into those groups, that new leaders can be trained up, new groups multiplied, so I'm praying that we'll have four, or five, maybe six home groups uh, functioning by the time we start the Friday gatherings, but I wanted to say thank you for praying for us. God's calling a team of people, we're very excited, and we're starting the home groups in in, in July, so please continue your prayers. Very excited about this passage this morning. I need to clarify in the bulletin it says I'm preaching from Romans chapter 5, which is a powerful passage, but as I prayed over that passage this week and then over this passage, Psalm 119, I, I believe God wants us to, wanted me to preach on Psalm 119. Same topic, trials, but different passage. This is where I believe the Lord wanted us to, to linger this morning. So let's pray and ask God to meet us in his word. Father, I pray specifically for those here this morning who are in the midst of painful, heartbreaking trials. And Lord, I pray, we pray together that you would use your word this morning to strengthen them, to assure them, to comfort them, to help them. I pray that you'd work with power through your word, Lord, in a mighty way. And then for those of us who are not in the midst of trials now, I pray that you'd use this passage to prepare us for the next trial that comes. You'd strengthen us and equip us so that we'll understand your purposes and be in sync with your will as we face future trials. And help help me now, Lord, as I preach. Give me the right heart. Give me the right words. Help me to be faithful to your word, which is most important. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When everything in your life is good, it's easy to believe that God is good. Right? Isn't that how it is? When you get the promotion... When your kids are obedient and loving and responsive, when you're full of energy and have physical health, when when everything's going good, it's easy to believe that, that God is good. But what about when everything is not going so good? What about when you lose your job? Or when you've had a terrible day with your kids? Or when you're diagnosed with cancer? What do we think about God at those times? Some of you are asking that question right now. Because you are going through difficult, painful trials. And you're wondering, does God love me anymore? Has he left me? Is he good? Can I trust him? So some of you are wrestling with that that question, and, and all of us need to wrestle with that question. Every follower of Jesus needs to come to terms with what is God doing when trials come my way? And this question is answered in Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72. So let's go ahead and turn there if we're not already there. There's many places in the scriptures where God talks to us about what his purposes are in trials. This is one passage. This will give us part of the answer. There's other answers in other scriptures, but this gives us a very important part of the answer. Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's the longest psalm. It's also the longest chapter. It has 176 verses divided into eight-verse sections, and each eight-verse section teaches a crucial spiritual truth. And the crucial spiritual Truth that these verses teach is how is God good when He brings us trials? Now the author is not just talking theory; he's writing these words as he's going through an affliction, he's going through a trial, so he's talking from experience. So let's start with this question: What trials has the author been facing? And you can see that he's facing trials from verse sixty-seven, where he says, "Before I was afflicted." I went astray, but now I keep your word. And then verse 71 uses that same word, afflicted. He says, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. So he's been going through afflictions. He's been going through trials. And do we know what afflictions or trials he's been experiencing? And the answer is yes, because he tells us in verses 69 and 70, look at what he says. The insolent smear me with lies but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. So he was being afflicted by insolent people. Now that word insolent means that this is people who don't care about right or wrong, who have no moral sensitivity, who have no conscience. Like he says, their heart is unfeeling like fat. So these insolent people have been inflicting him, and what have they been doing? He says they've been smearing him with lies, saying terrible things, terrible untrue things about him. So picture like he's standing up in front of people, clothed in beautiful, white, and these insolent people have walked up, scooped up mud, and just smeared it all over him. So now he's standing there looking filthy and dirty in front of people because of what they've done, because of what they've said wrongly about him. So imagine how that would feel. Some of you have experienced that. Let me throw out some examples just to help us get in touch with this. Let's say that you are a a software engineer, and your team has just produced a product which has been released to the public, but as it was released, a terrible glitch in the program was revealed, a bug in the program, and somebody who's part of your team has spread the rumor that you wrote that part of the code. You hadn't written that part of the code, but they spread the rumor that you had written that part of the program. And so now everybody thinks you don't write code very well. You don't check your work very accurately. You are incompetent. You are smeared with lies. It's not true, but it's smearing you. And everybody's looking at you differently. Can you feel how painful that would be? Another illustration. Let's say that you're a mom and at your kid's school... Another mom at that school is jealous of you and has spread rumors that you are very insecure and selfish. And you spoil your kids, talking, spreading this this gossip about you. And you've noticed that the other moms in the school are starting to be a little distant from you, starting to look at you a little bit uh, askance. Think of how painful that would be. You're, You're smeared with lies. It's not true, but this person has smeared you with lies, that's what affliction the author is going through. That's what he's experiencing. Now, he knows that God is sovereign over everything, including what every person says or does. God is sovereign over everything. And so he knows that God could have kept these insolent men from smearing him with lies. God could have just said, no, and they would not not have done it. And so he knows that God has allowed them to smear him with lies. So how does he describe God? How does he describe God's actions of bringing these trials to him? Does he think God has stopped loving him? Does he think God has abandoned him? Is he saying that God is is not good? Is he angry, bitter at God? Is he walking away from God? How does he describe God's action of bringing him these trials. Look at what he says in verse 65. He says, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. So in all these afflictions, you've dealt well with me, God. Dealt well, Hebrew word, you've done good. Hebrew word good, tov. You've, You've done good. You've dealt well with me. And we can tell that he is including his affliction in that you have done well by verse 71 where he says explicitly, it is good for me that I was afflicted. Good, Hebrew word, tov, it is good for me. So the psalmist says, God has been good to me even in allowing these trials and these afflictions. The psalmist is not the only one who talks that way in the Bible. This is all through the Bible. Let me give you two other examples so you can see how important this is, how common this is through God's word. Take the story of Joseph. Most of you know Joseph's story. He was sold. He was kidnapped by his brothers and then sold into slavery in Egypt. Decades of his life. He was in the dungeon. You know the whole story. But at the end of his life, he talks to his brothers who sold him into slavery and he says two things about what had happened. Number one, he says, you brothers meant evil against me. But then he says a second thing, but God meant it for good. And you know the story, Joseph was promoted to the number two position in Pharaoh, ruling over all the food during a time of famine, was able to feed the people of Israel, God brought great good about it. So Joseph looks at this terrible trial that befell him and says, in that trial, God was good. God was doing good in that trial. Another example, the story of Job. You know Job, God allowed Satan to not only destroy all of Job's wealth, but also to take the lives of his children. God allowed Satan to do that. And do you remember what Job said to his wife after this happened? He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, God gives good, and he's good when he does, and God takes away from us at times, and God is blessed in the giving, and he's blessed in the taking. He's good when he gives. He's good when he takes. He's good when blessings come. He's good when trials come. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Job and Joseph and the psalmist here of 119 all agree, when God brings trials, God is good. Is that how you see your trials? How do you see your trials? Now, I would guess that many of us kind of categorize our lives into two parts. There's the the good parts, and then there's the hard parts, right? And when it comes to the good parts we can say, well, God's good in giving us those good parts. But we don't say the same thing when it comes to the hard parts. We can think, well, God has abandoned me. God's no longer good. Or maybe this is just bad luck. Or this is just the result of being in a fallen world. Or maybe this is just something that Satan has brought. But I would guess that many of us struggle with what's God doing in those bad parts, and can we say that God is good when he brings us trials and he brings us afflictions? So many of us don't see that the trials are part of God's goodness to us. Now, Jan and I had to wrestle with that issue in the early years of our marriage when we found that we were having a hard time getting pregnant. We wanted children. Couldn't get pregnant. And this went on for months and and years. But this drove us to study God's word on the topic of trials, and we were part of a loving church family and had brothers and sisters around who encouraged us and loved us and shared scripture with us and prayed for us. And through this season, we saw in the scripture that every trial is under God's loving control. And that even our infertility was, part of, was, was a good gift from God for us. Now, one of the blessings that came to us from our not being able to get pregnant was that we adopted two wonderful children who we wouldn't trade for any kids anywhere in the world. They're amazing. We love them. But we learned through the heartache of that season that even trials are part of God's goodness to us. That's what the psalmist is saying in these verses. It is good for me that I was afflicted, verse 71. Verse 71. Now, how can that be true? Some of you, that question or that statement might bring just pain into your heart. How can this heartbreaking, difficult trial I'm going through possibly be given to me by a good God doing good for me? How can you say that? How can the psalmist say that? Well, the psalmist gives us two reasons why in this passage. There's many reasons given in the scriptures, but the psalmist gives two reasons in this passage. And one answer is that sometimes, not always, but sometimes God uses afflictions to bring us back to his word. Now, I want to really make sure you you hear how I'm explaining this. This is not always the case. It is not true that every time a trial comes, it's because you've been drifting from the word. It's not true that if somebody in your life group is going through a trial, that must be because they've been drifting from the word. That is not the case. Sometimes it's the case, but not all the time. So don't assume anything about other people with their trials or you with your trials, but sometimes it's the case, and it was the case with the psalmist. Look at what he says in verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. So what had happened? The author had gone astray from God's word. There was some point in which he was starting to disobey what God had called him to be or to do in in the word. And so God allowed this affliction to come to him to bring him back from going astray. So God allowed these men to smear him with, with lies because this would humble him before God and this softened his heart before God so that he owned up to the fact that I've been drifting from God. What am I doing? And so he turned his heart back to the Lord and once again was reconciled and had sweet fellowship, assurance of forgiveness, knowing his salvation, knowing all that, that God was to him. So sometimes, God allows trials to come because he wants to bring us back to the word. We've been straying from the word. He wants to bring us back to the word. Now, let's just be sure we're clear here. Is this always the case whenever we face a trial? No. No. Is this sometimes the case when we face a trial? Yes. If somebody I know who's a brother or sister in Christ is going through a trial, does this mean that they must have been departing from God's word? No. Maybe that's what God's doing. We don't want to assume that. Very important. Are we clear on this? I want to make sure we get this. But sometimes that's exactly what God's doing, and God will make it clear to you if that's what God is doing. And it's part of his love for you. Now, let me give you an illustration from the life of William Carey. William Carey was a missionary to the country of India in the early 1800s, and he was a brilliant linguist. He had great skill in languages. And so he worked very hard for years on translating the Bible into some of the local languages, so he had that in manuscript form. He put together a dictionary where he gave the equivalent of every Sanskrit word into the local languages, and he wrote the first grammar for the Sikh language and the first grammar for the Telugu language. So he'd been working for years, had all these documents in his home, laboring over them, and one night he went away to do missionary business out of the town that he was in, and that night a fire broke out in his home, and all these copies, the only copies he had of this work, were destroyed. Years of hard, difficult work gone. And as he cried out to the Lord, the Lord impressed upon him that part of the reason God had allowed this to occur was because there had been some pride that had been welling up in William Carey's life. And pride is deadly. And God in great love. Maybe God had tears, but he allowed this to come to bring William Carey back. And here's how William Carey describes it. In one short evening, the labors of years are consumed. How unsearchable are the ways of God. I had lately brought some things to the utmost perfection of which they seemed capable and contemplated the missionary establishment with perhaps too much self-congratulation. Another way of saying he'd become proud. The Lord has laid me low that I may look more simply to him. See how that works? And so sometimes when we are drifting from the word, God in great love and tenderness and maybe with tears will bring us trials to bring us back to him, to bring us back to the word. Some of you have experienced that, haven't you? And you now in hindsight would thank the Lord for it, as William Carey did Here And that's what the psalmist had experienced. In some way, the psalmist had been turning away from the word. Dangerous place to be. And God, in great love and mercy, allowed these men to smear him with lies, to wake him up, to humble him, to wake him up. I've been drifting from God. What am I doing? And to bring him back. And why was it good of God to do that? Because when we drift away from the word, we lose sweet fellowship with God. We lose our our communion with the living Jesus Christ when we're drifting from the word, right? And so God, because he loves us, he'll bring the trials to bring us back to sweet fellowship with Jesus because knowing Christ, knowing his love, knowing his presence, knowing his nearness, fellowshipping with him, worshipping him, loving him is what life is all about. And so when we're drifting from that, God loves us too much to let us keep wandering. And he will allow trials to come into our lives to bring us back. And that's good that he does that. When you're in heaven, you will bow down before him and thank him for every time he brought a trial to bring your heart back to the Lord. Now again, is this always what's, what's going on with trials? No. Is this sometimes what's going on with trials? Yes. But now there's another reason that God is good in bringing us trials But I think it's always the case, and that's the second one he mentions in this passage, that God uses afflictions to teach us God's word. Look at verse 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Interesting thing. It's good for me that I was afflicted because that helped me to learn God's statutes. So sometimes afflictions bring us back to God's word, but here he's talking about afflictions teaching us God's word. Okay, so why do we need afflictions to teach us God's word? I mean, can't you just pray and open up the Bible and start to read? Yes, you can. Very important. That's powerful. Do that. Let's all be doing that this summer. But there's another way that God teaches us even more deeply his word, and that's through Afflictions, because when trials come, when afflictions come, when difficulties come, don't they make us more hungry for God's word? Don't they humble us so that we're more easily submissive to God's word? Don't they make us desperate for God so that we more quickly experience his presence through God's word? That's what happens. Now, This was powerfully experienced by Martin Luther. Okay, Martin Luther, 1500s, Europe, he was one of the leaders of the Reformation. The Reformation is what helped the church rediscover the truth that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Martin Luther was one of the leaders. And I was reading a book about Martin Luther recently and read that he, has, he had three rules for Bible study. Three rules for Bible study. Here's what he said in describing them. He says, I want you to know how to study theology the right way. That is, how to read the Bible. I have practiced this method myself. Here you will find three rules. They are frequently proposed throughout Psalm 119 and run thus. First, oratio, which is Latin for prayer. Second, he says meditatio, which is Latin for meditation. And then third, tentatio, which is Latin for tribulation." Prayer, meditation, and tribulation. Now, why are these rules so important? He goes on, these rules teach you not only to know and understand, but also to experience how right, how true, how sweet, how lovely, how mighty, how comforting God's Word is. It is wisdom supreme. Three rules prayer, meditation, Tribulation, okay? And Luther says that tribulation is sometimes the most important one. Why? One more quote from Luther. Here's why. He says, as soon as God's word becomes known through you, the devil will afflict you, he will make a real theologian of you, and will teach you by his temptations to seek and to love God's word. For I myself, I owe my Catholic opponents many thanks for so beating, pressing, and frightening me through the devil's raging. They have turned me into a fairly good theologian, driving me to a goal I should never have reached if it hadn't been for these afflictions. Haven't you seen this in your life? Some of the times where you get the most out of the scripture are times when you are the most desperate to meet God. When you're needy, when you're struggling, when you're suffering, you go to the Word with more hunger, more desperation, more sense of, I've, I've got to meet you, Lord. And when we go to God with that kind of hunger and that kind of desperation, we meet God more powerfully. We see God more clearly in the Scriptures. We experience the truth of the Scriptures more deeply in our souls. That's what Martin Luther experienced. And that's what the author of Psalm 19 experienced. See when we read the scriptures complacently or lethargically or casually very often we don't our hearts aren't touched at all by the word but when we're struggling when we're saying god are you there what are you doing help me i'm weak meet me and we open up the scriptures and we we pray and we read and we meditate and we cry out to god and our pages are tear stained It's at those times that we experience what's described in the scriptures, like the peace that surpasses understanding, rivers of living water being poured into our souls, joy unspeakable and full of glory, God's comfort and his love being, just touching our hearts. So we're not just learning truth at those times, as important as that is, but we're experiencing truth at those times. That's what the author is describing in Psalm 119. And that's how afflictions are part of God's goodness. For two reasons. Sometimes, afflictions are brought to us by God to bring us back to God's word, because we've been drifting. At other times, and I think maybe all the time, God's goodness is shown through afflictions because he's going to teach us more of God's word. Now again, some of you are right in the middle of trials right now. Right in the middle of afflictions right now. I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope this is comforting to you. But but you may have one more question. And it's the same question that the author wants to answer before he finishes this passage. Is God's word worth the afflictions? Is God's word worth the trials? is it? Is it? Is being brought back to God's word and being taught more of God's word, is that worth it? The author would say yes. Look at how he describes it in verse 72. He says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Really? Thousands of gold and silver pieces? A thousand one-ounce gold coins would be worth what? Three or four million dirhams. So thousands of gold pieces and thousands of silver pieces is going to be multiple millions of dirhams, right? So picture it like this: over here, there's a stack of gold and sil- thousands of gold and silver pieces, millions of dirhams worth over here, and then here you've got the Bible. And the author would look at that stack of thousands of gold and silver pieces, millions of dirhams worth, and he would look at the Bible, and he would say, this is better. This is better. Why? Because he knows that through the word of God, this is where he meets the living God. It's in the truth of God's word that we meet Jesus Christ. This is how he speaks to us. This is how he comforts us. This is how he makes his presence real to us. This is how we experience his nearness. This is how we know his presence, his fellowship, communion with him. This is how we know. And knowing God in the person of Jesus is the joy we were created for. Knowing God in the person of Jesus is what life is all about. You've known, you've lived long enough to know that nothing that money can buy will satisfy you like the living God will satisfy you. You know that. Only the living God can satisfy our hearts and we meet him in the word and trials bring us either back to the word or teach us more of the word. So here's my encouragement to you. Those of you who are going through trials right now, Don't waste your trials. This is a time when you can go deeper in the Word and meet God more powerfully and experience the love of Jesus more really. So don't waste your trials. Take time during this difficulty and open up the Scriptures and pray. Say, God, help me. God, meet me. And read and meditate, and ponder, and pray some more, and read some more, and cry out to him. And I promise you, based on the authority of his word, he will meet you. Now, if you're saying, you don't understand, I'm bitter. I'm just about ready to to walk away from God finally. This trial is so difficult, I'm, I'm angry about this. He understands that, but listen. Jesus Christ is standing before you. And even though there's maybe unbelief and bitterness in your heart, he will forgive you. You turn to him just as you are. Turn to him in your bitterness. Turn to him in your pain and say, help me. And he will help you. This is the beauty of the gospel. You don't need to change your heart first. You come to him just as you are, and Jesus will love you and welcome you and assure you of forgiveness, and he will help you, and he will teach you, and he will comfort you. And he will satisfy you. So don't waste your trials. Please, don't continue in bitterness. Don't continue in anger. Get on your knees before the Lord, open up the word, and say, help me. He will. In Jesus Christ, because of the cross, he will again and again and again and again. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for those here right now who are suffering, who are heartbroken, who are disappointed, who are struggling with bitterness and hard thoughts about you. Father, I pray, we pray together for our brothers and sisters who are suffering, that you would help them, that you would comfort them that you would meet them, Lord, that you would bring them into sweeter, deeper, closer fellowship with you through Jesus Christ than maybe they've ever known before through this trial. We know you are good. We do not understand all your ways, but we've seen in your word that sometimes you bring us trials to bring us back to the word, and you always bring us trials to teach us more of your word. And so trials are part of your goodness. Help us to learn this, Lord. Help us to live this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.